Welcome to Women and Manufacturing, where accomplished women interview accomplished women, with your host, Linda Regano. Hi, I'm Linda Regano, co-host of Women in Manufacturing, a podcast series produced by the Manufacturing Broadcasting Corporation. Many of you may know that women comprise half of the U.S. population, but did you know that less than 3 out of 10 are employed in manufacturing? This is why Manufacturing Talk Radio created the Women in Manufacturing podcast. We'll be sharing stories of the amazing women who are working hard to make a difference in an industry that is so critical to our economic survival. Listeners will hear candid conversations about female leaders, their rise to the top, challenges they've overcome, and what they're doing today to attract more women to the industry. We hope you'll find their stories to be as inspirational as we do. And today, I am delighted to introduce you to Andrea Andy Funk. Andy is truly a force of nature. When I first spoke with her, I was absolutely blown away by her enthusiasm for manufacturing and, frankly, life. Also, Andy's passion to cultivate more female leaders in this business is nothing less than awesome. Her background reads like a who's who in leadership. Most recently, Andy was CEO of Cambridge Lee Industries, a $500 million copper-focused distributor and manufacturer. And before this, she held senior leadership positions at Carpenter Technology and Arrow International. And she started in the business as an auditor with Ernst & Young in Philadelphia. Andy also sits on the board of directors of a number of organizations, and she's going to tell you all about that later. And she's in her spare time, which I suspect is not a lot, Andy is very active in her community serving as treasurer and executive committee member of the Berks County United Way and a board member for the Wilson Education Foundation. Andy earned her MBA from the Wharton School of Business, and she earned a CPA and undergraduate degree in accounting from Villanova University. Over the years, Andy has been honored by a number of groups. Most recently, the Girl Scouts Take the Lead, Smart CEO's Brava Award, Berks Chamber of Commerce Athena Award, Lehigh Valley Businesswoman of Influence, the Manufacturing Institute National Step Honoree Award, and the Ben Franklin Technology Partners Manufacturing Achievement Award, which I, I can't say that three times fast. Andy lives in Reading, Pennsylvania with her three children. So that's enough from me. Let's bring on Andy. Uh, thank Andy. you so much for this kind, uh, oh. kind words, and I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Oh, oh I'm glad you are, and thanks for joining us. I got to tell you, I'm out of breath reading all about your accomplishments, and I know that there's a lot that I left out there. Um, but I bet our listeners would love to hear more about just how you got started in the business, and and maybe we'll start there. How's that? Sure. Well, I, uh, as you mentioned, I did my undergraduate at Villanova, um, mm-hmm. majored in accounting and uh, minored in sociology, which which is kind of interesting. I I was nervous to be characterized as just a number person. And interestingly <laughs> enough, I think um, it's really what you, you need to do throughout your career. You've got to have metrics and accountability and be analytical, but um, it, at the end of the day, it's really people that make the difference. So it ended up maybe indirectly being a, a, a nice way down, a nice path to start. Um, so I started out at Young, got my CPA, then I worked in a couple different industries, telecommunications, uh, pharmaceutical, medical devices, and uh, then found myself at Arrow International as a senior director of finance and, and strategy for the manufacturing operations. And um, they were acquired. And I think what can often happen is you can um, find yourself with unique opportunities when you go through changing times. Our CEO mm-hmm. was on board at, um, at Carpenter. They created a role for me there that was the same that I did at, at Arrow, but new industry. Um, more heavy industrial manufacturing. So I went over there in a, in a similar role, went from there. That got me into metals, 
also um, went from there as the CFO at Cambridge Lee and then um, then to the CEO seat at Cambridge Lee, where I was for seven years total. That's great. Maybe, can you share with us just a little bit about the, you know, who, who were the early influencers in your life? Sure. Well, I think people influence you every day. Um, it can be someone, um, someone on your board. It can be, um, you know, some, it can be the cleaning person. It can be anyone. You can, you can learn things from everyone that you meet with. But probably one of my earliest influencers was my mother. Uh, she was a single mom. Uh, my father had left us. He was a nuclear engineer, and um, we had an expat assignment in Paris, and he ended up staying there. Um, my mom worked hard. Uh, she always made us a priority, and um, you know, she always told us that with every privilege in life, there's an accompanying responsibility, and I, I think that's mm, something that stayed with great. me. That is great. What a great thing. So, so tell us, you know, one of the things when we were talking um, was that, you know, or that came through was that you have this very, I'm going to say unique, an ability to look at a problem and, and see the challenges and, and the solutions, you know, that go with it. Um, could you just talk a little bit about that, Andy, and how that helped you in your experience at, you know, at Cambridge Lee or, or frankly, anywhere? Yeah, well, when I went, came to Cambridge Lee, they were in a, a very unique time in the industry's evolution. Uh, about a decade ago, the U.S. plumbing copper tube market was about a billion pounds a year. And um, very quickly, it shrunk to about 300 million pounds as the conversion to PEX uh, became prevalent throughout the United States. So for a long time, they were run very much like a small company, despite their mm. size and the, um, you know, spending a quarter billion dollars on copper a year. And so a lot of what I had to do was put in business fundamentals, things like um, a leadership team, a strategy cadence, communication process, uh, metrics, performance management, a head steering committee, things like that. Um, and what you really had to do as you went through it is identify what are the most important things that matter. You don't want to over-engineer um, processes, but really how can we value experience and bring new thoughts and ideas um, to create an organization that's working on the right things. So I think the, the first thing you really have to do is identify what are those most important things um, that you want to put your, your energy against. Um, I'm a big believer in, in being humble and hungry, um, mm. so making sure that you value experience but, but also being open to, to new ideas and staying relevant. That's great. So, so I mean, you were definitely in an industrial um, environment. Let, let's talk about that because that kind of leads to your to your passions. And I know you've got you've got many passions, but two of them that we talked about were creating more positive awareness of manufacturing as just being critical to the economy, and then of course helping young women realize their leadership potential. Um, why don't we start with the the image problems that manufacturing is still suffering from? Can you speak to that? Sure. I don't think people realize just how important manufacturing is to our economy and how it's really the engine behind a lot of our growth. Um, mm. Manufacturing is over $2 trillion to the U.S. economy. It's 13% of our GDP. If taken alone, it would represent the eighth largest single individual economy in the world. Um, and manufacturers changed a, a great deal. At one point, over 40% of the U.S. population was employed in manufacturing. Now it's down to around 10%, but output is exponentially higher and continues to increase because of productivity gains. Um, manufacturing creates jobs. There's the multiplier effect that says for every job that, that you create in manufacturing, it creates two indirect jobs in the economy. For every dollar that you spend in manufacturing creates a dollar thirty-three in other sectors. Um, it, it spurs innovation, 
um, with one in six private sector jobs being in manufacturing, we often think of manufacturing as being these large manufacturing companies, and certainly so many people are employed in you know, large companies that, that manufacture on a mass scale. But the interesting thing to me is over 75% of manufacturers have less than 20 employees. I mean, it's, it's really the entrepreneurial engine of our, yeah. of our economy. Um, and with the new economy that we have, consumers want things faster. They want things customized. Um, and so with automa- automation, manufacturing is really coming back to the United States. And unfortunately, um, we're going to have a real gap in, um, in, in our workforce. It's one of the biggest challenges that uh, manufacturers face. Over the next decade, the estimate is over 3.5 mil- um, million manufacturing jobs will be created. Um, over 2.7 because of boomers retiring as, as the aging population um, happens. Over 700,000 jobs because of economic expansion. But there's a projection of only 1.4 million uh, workers will, will supply will be available, which will leave uh. a 2 million employee gap. Um, and already currently, the salary and benefits of, of manufacturing jobs pay 24% higher than the overall economy. So demand's going to increase, the, the pay is going to increase, the nature of the jobs has changed. You know, it's no longer Laverne and Shirley sitting on an assembly line, but you need, <laughs> you need employees who innovate, who can think, who are creative, who are able to make decisions on the fly, who are analytical. Um, so there's a lot of exciting jobs, and I think one of the things we need to do is make sure that we, we tap into the half of the population that is, is wildly underrepresented and make sure these young girls know there's huge opportunities for them and, and roles for them. There's a real value in diversity, and uh, you know we can in- improve our capabilities as a nation if we get more women into manufacturing roles. That's no, thank you, thank you, and I appreciate the the statistics. I mean, it's it's pretty overwhelming when you think about it, and and what's going to happen if we don't get more people into the industry. You know, one of the things that we talked about was that this is a you know it's a holistic problem that deserves a holistic solution, meaning that um, it's, you know, it starts with parents and um, educators and, you know, the community and then, of course, the manufacturers. How do we all work together to raise awareness and attract more people into this industry? I think one thing we we really need to do a better job is just exposing both both young children, girls and and boys alike, as well as Mm -hmm. their parents, the opportunities that um, that will be there. Uh, I work a lot with local school districts and, and um, you know, talking about uh, opportunities that we'll have in STEM careers. Um, and uh, oftentimes the, the, the um, superintendents and the counselors at schools say, you know, all of our students, they want to be doctors, they want to be teachers, they want to be nurses. And they say that's because those are the jobs that they've got exposure to. Uh, it's a little bit more of a challenge to create things like um, internships in manufacturing because you have safety issues and, and um, it, you know, there's, there's a lot of more scheduling constraints. But to do things like job shadowing, to have open houses, uh, to do tours, uh, science centers, things like that, that we can just let students know about the opportunities that are there and give them exposure and let parents know that manufacturing has changed and there's some very exciting, lucrative opportunities um, across the board. I and mean, that's what's exciting about manufacturing. You go into a manufacturing operation 
um, it, you know, it's, it's not like a professional services where you just have one, you know, one or two type of roles. You have engineers, you have IT, you have human resources, you have supply chain, purchasing, uh, production workers. Um, you've got jobs for, for people who have PhDs. You have jobs for um, students who have done, you know, a, a two-year career. And um, there's, there's just so many opportunities, and it's going to continue to grow. So uh, making sure that, that children and, and parents alike are aware of this is, is important. Yeah, no, absolutely. That is wonderful. Um, can you speak a little bit more to the 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 the, uh, the things that you did, whether it was at Cambridge or I know you did this at all, in all your jobs, but um, if you could talk a little bit more about the local programs that you did to engage parents and students, and maybe um, for our listeners who don't know what job shadowing is, maybe you could explain that. Yeah, I mean, job shadowing. One one thing that I think is is important when you reach a a leadership role, especially if you're underrepresented. Um, you know, we mentioned that, that only while women make up half the workforce, only about a, a quarter of manufacturing jobs, um, there's less than half a percent of manufacturing organizations have a female CEO. So one thing that it was important to me is anytime someone asked to say yes. So, you know, I had two or three times where there were young girls that I didn't even know who said, could I shadow you? And I said, sure. So they came and they, they spent the day with me. They, they sat in meetings with me. They, you know, we had lunch. They, they walked the floor. They did whatever I did during my day just to get exposure to what a typical day was like uh, for me and for, for the people that I work with. Uh, so I think that's important. Um, at Cambridge Lee, we, we did a lot with, with school districts, um, the, the uh, with Burke's Business Education Coalition, there was Manufacturing Week where every day we, for a week we would have buses of you know, maybe 80 school kids who broke up into three groups. Some did a tour, some met with a human resources group. Um, another group would, would meet with me and talk about um, what it's like to work in manufacturing, what it's like to apply for a job, um, what, the, what is the purpose of a company is, and mm. the types they can do for, for job readiness. Um, anything that you can do like that. At Fleetwood School, they had a, a great program I participated in uh, to try to encourage young girls to get into STEM professions. Uh, they had a, an award that they gave. The teachers selected students that were doing exceptional in their classes, and they had a, a ceremony at night, and the parents were invited, which I think was, was a very unique um, aspect to the program because the parents were able to come in and hear about all of these opportunities and and understand just the the incredible opportunities that um, our our girls will will be afforded if they are interested and and um, pursue a job in manufacturing or in STEM. That's wonderful. Yeah, no, that's exactly the kind of thing that we need. Um, and, and and you've already touched on it in terms of helping young women realize their their leadership potential. But um, maybe you could talk a little bit more too about. Um, how do women just in general, whether you know whether they're starting out or whether they're in their career or, or uh, heading toward retirement, how do they um, participate in boards? I mean, you you sit on a number of boards. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that, and then what do women need to do to get leadership roles? Yeah, well, you know, the first thing is just the, the importance that we open the doors for women in these roles. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can see that only about um, – 202 of Fortune 500 boards have female directors at all. Um, you know, only 4% of our nation's largest companies today have a female CEO. And oftentimes, wow. when you don't have diversity, 
um, it, you know, promotes groupthink. I'm not one to be angry. I mean, we, this is where our society is for, for many reasons. And it's, it's human nature for people to want to surround themselves with others like them, that, who they can empathize with. Um, but, it, you know, with the situation we're in right now, we have very capable women and minorities that are being excluded from opportunities where they can make a significant difference. And, and that's really the key word, difference. Um, and what I think is very important is it's not just about discrimination or equal opportunities. It's, it's really about performance. Um, a 2012 study by Credit Suisse found that companies with at least one female director on their board have consistently and statistically significantly higher return on equity and stock value. So in a study done in 2013, companies with less, less than 10% female senior managers had a 9.7% return on equity. But in contrast, Companies with more than 15% senior, uh, female senior executives had a 14.7% return on equity. So wow, 15%. that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think what we need with more companies who are recognizing the value of diversity, it, you know, when you have diversity, it helps you make better business decisions. Um, you're able to attack problems from different perspectives and listen to different ideas. And oftentimes when there's more than one female or whatever under, other underrepresented minority class you're, you're talking about, it helps because then, you know, there's strength in numbers and it helps to avoid uh, groupthink. So I think the more that companies start to recognize the benefit and encourage it, and then if you have um, women and, and other um, underrepresented populations that have the courage and confidence and desire to pursue these these um, opportunities uh, as a society will benefit. So when I was at Cambridge Lee, um, you know, I was the highest ranking woman there, and um, it, many times went to meetings or customers, and um, it was it was typically all, all men that I that I dealt with, and uh, our board was not very involved. Uh, we were owned by a Mexican conglomerate, and um, you know, as long as we continued our, our repatriation at the levels that they were happy with. Uh, they, they let us run the business uh, almost as if it was our own, which was great. And I, I wanted to continue to grow and get exposed to new ideas, so I, I wanted to pursue a for-profit uh, board seat. I had sat on a number of nonprofit board seats, which, which helped. Um, so I, I uh, actively um, sought out, made, made it um, public to my network that I was interested in a board role, and I was able to get on the board of um, an organization, Touchpoint Holdings, which is a fantastic company located in Concordville. Um, and there I, I still was able to contribute um, differently because I was diverse, both uh, being a woman, also being a, an acting CEO. I brought a new perspective that had a different I think, level of engagement because I was considering ways that I could bring ideas back to my company. So. Um, it, you know, just was looking at questions and challenges they were facing from a different perspective. Um, and then that opened the door for me. I joined um, the Board of Crown Holdings, which is a New York Stock Exchange company um, it based outside of Philadelphia. And, um, you know, both those opportunities have allowed me to grow and uh, contribute on a, um, on, a, on a strategic level. So it's been very rewarding. And then it's um, a contrast, but the Karen Treatment Center you're on the board of uh, and finance committee for. Yeah, Karen is just um, the world's premier treatment center for um, for addiction. I uh, it, it, I know Doug Teeman, who's the CEO. I've always been impressed with his work. I sat with him on the Wilson Education Foundation, and we had both um, done some speaker series for students um, at Wilson. 
And it, he first asked me to join, and I thought, you know, I, I just don't have the capacity to take on something else, but I could do the finance committee. So I sat on the finance committee, and then um, they had a, a board meeting one time that followed the finance committee, and he asked me to sit in. And I was just blown away by the dedication and the commitment to service and treatment and how prevalent the, the problem of addiction is in our society that, um, you know, I, I knew I had to make the choice to, to find a way to support the organization and, and to do what I could to help them out because they, they are touching and helping so many lives. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So, and, and you know, just in, in looking at your, your amazing career, you've, I mean, you've amassed this incredible background, and yet we haven't talked about the fact that you have still managed to raise three children. Um, I mean, what's your secret? Well, you know, I, I think there's, there's two aspects to it, and we had talked about this um, a little bit once before, Linda. So I, I think the first thing is any way that you can, you can look at it with work-life work, work integration versus work-life balance is great. So it was always very important to me to serve the community. I wanted to be involved in my kids' lives, and I, of course, um, I had a, a, a large, very large commitment to to my organization that I always had to to make a priority as well. So doing things like um, junior achievement, they it was an organization here that would um, you'd sign up and they'd have a teacher for I think it was four or five weeks that that would uh, four or five sessions that would say. I think it was over two, over two weeks maybe in between each one, where you would go into a classroom and talk about um, business. And it was age-appropriate, so there were classes for kindergartners and, you know, all the way up to, to high school. Um, so on one hand, you know, I wanted to donate money to them. I thought it was a, a great cause. But I also wanted to be involved in my, in my kids' schooling. So I, I called Junior Achievement, and I said, I'd love to volunteer, but could I um, send a donation and underwrite a class, and could I do one of my kids' classes? So <laughs> I love it. So I was able to. Serve all three. Um, with Cambridge Lee, we employee engagement was um, one of my biggest priorities. I recognize a company is no more than a, a collection of people, and I think people really bond when they're serving others. So mm-hmm. every month we would do some type of a service project. It could be um, United Way Day of Caring that we would get together and, and do be a um, uh, uh, with Kennedy House. We would do a. Um, uh, a, a lunch for for the um, the red, for the the homeless people or people didn't have access to a meal in the community, um, it, or we would do things like deliver meals on wheels to local homebound seniors. And for all we knew, we were delivering meals to retirees of Cambridge Lee or family members of of Cambridge Lee. I would deliver meals with a, a second shift supervisor and a crane operator, so we got to talk and know each other and develop trust. And um, you know, I think it was good for our community. It was great for our employees. Um, it was great for for um, morale. Uh, things like that that you can do, I think, really help to build a strong organization. Absolutely, absolutely. I wish more people did that. Um, so, so in terms of manufacturing, I mean, do you see any of your uh, kids following your path? Uh, well, my son is at Temple right now, and uh, he's an accounting finance major. So, uh-huh. I love because. We're able to uh, do conference calls to, to do his accounting homework together and help him out. But uh, I could see him going into manufacturing. My my 15-year-old daughter, she's not sure yet, and my 10-year-old son, uh, they're both a little bit on the fence, but they they certainly have had their share. They've done tours of Cambridge Lee, and um, you know I think they recognize the importance of manufacturing um, on our economy. And, and uh, they recognize, I think what they're excited about 
is the ability. I mean, again, it's it's our it's our future, and and there's so many opportunities, not just in companies that are out there, but in starting your own company. Uh, that the time really is now for us to to do some exciting things. Um, you no longer need significant bricks and mortar. I mean, you you can start out small and grow to something that that's exciting. Create your own destiny. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. If if you could give advice to um, to any woman in in manufacturing, what what would that advice be? Well, the advice I would give to to women in general, uh, manufacturing or otherwise, is it's probably four things I would say. Um, number one, have courage. Uh, you're often going to find yourself as as being a little different than people around you. So and recognize that that your difference um, is is part of the value that you bring. So um, you know, speak your mind. Have the courage to to be able to um, to, to recognize that you're you're adding value and um, and to to speak up and make a difference. Um, second, have resilience. It's not always going to work the way you you want it to. Um, the more resilient you are and and that you demonstrate your capabilities and the value you add, um, it will be noticed. So so don't don't let yourself get discouraged. Um, so in addition to courage and resilience, have a sense of humor as well. Um, mm. You know, I, I think oftentimes um, there were times that I was excluded from meetings where I uh, it was my ideas that I put together, my um, my work that I did and recommendations were formulated, and then maybe I was excluded from the meeting in which the recommendation was present at, uh, presented and the ultimate decision was decided. And what I had to realize is, I you know, I don't really think I was ever intentionally excluded. Um, I just, just necessarily wasn't intentionally included in the beginning, and it, and it took time. Um, I think anger doesn't help everyone. It, if you have a sense of humor and perseverance, um, it, it'll it, it, in time things will will work out. And then finally, be true to yourself. Um, recognize mm-hmm. that there's choices to be made. Um, you, you need to know your own priorities. You you need to um, you need to be true to yourself and uh, and and keep your moral compass. Um, guiding your, your actions and decisions that you make. So be, be courageous, be resilient, have a sense of humor, and probably most importantly, be true to yourself and be genuine. That's great. What, what would you tell um, those, those men who are in leadership positions out there in manufacturing? What would you say to them about women? I think the most important thing is um, for, for organizations, and they're typically led by men these, in, in today's time, um, to just be be aware of the value of, of diversity and be intentional in your choices of how to have an inclusionary culture. Um, mm. it, you know, it's it's uh, it's easy to think, oh well, we'll talk about this on the golf course, and there's nothing wrong with with golfing. But do you have opportunities for women's voices to be heard? Um, if you're in a room and there's um, an underrepresented population, be it women or be it minority. Um, do, do you go out of your way to encourage their thoughts to be heard? Uh, simple things like dress code. I, I recently read an article, the new CEO of, of General Motors, which is a woman, one of the first things she did is get rid of their you know, seven-page dress code. Uh, oh, my gosh. And <laughs> the dress policy was going to be dress appropriately. Um, I mean, I, and it struck a chord with me because I can remember earlier in my career when I was director of uh, – Senior Director of Finance in an organization where I was the highest-ranking female. Um, I can remember my mentor advising me, you should dress a little more, um, you know, wear business business pants suits. I mean, basically he was telling me, 
dress a little more like us men. And, you know, again, I don't think it was – have a sense of humor. I don't think I, I don't think there was um, an intentional uh, uh, thought of, of excluding my, my individuality. But when you do things like saying we all have to be the same, we all have to be alike, we all have to follow one person's role model – um, we're leaving out different perspectives, and and we're we're telling people not to be themselves. It's okay to be a little different. Um, you have to be appropriate, certainly, but um, m- making sure you encourage um, in- encourage include and include diverse perspectives and opinions and and ways people communicate. Um, you know, it's it's just so important, and I think men have a, a very important role, as do women. It's it's neither side is fully responsible. But um, as organizations, when we recognize just how um, how much better performance will be when we're able to talk with respect and, and um, consider each other's viewpoints, um, we'll be more successful. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that, you know, embracing this whole concept of just embracing your, your diversity and ultimately it will make you more profitable. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's terrific. Well, I think I, I could keep going on for hours, but I, I you know you probably don't have hours, and uh, and we we do need to uh, put a close to the show. Um, so I just in closing, I want to thank you, Andy, um, for joining us and just sharing your experience, strength, and hope for the next generation. I wish um, I I wish every woman was like you. I'm, you know, I oh. really think that uh, you're wonderful. Thank you, Linda. I'm uh, I'm excited for our future. I think uh, I think there's a lot of great things coming our way, and uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. Great, and and our listeners can hear the full podcast at www.manufacturingtalkradio.com. Um, And thanks to all our listeners. We'll look forward to seeing you on our next program. Thank you for listening to Women and Manufacturing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.